Welcome to the C3 Silicon Valley Church Podcast. Senior pastors Adam and Kira Smalcom are so excited to share this message with you and believe that God will speak to you through it. Here at C3SV, we know that God has the best in store for you today and every day. We, uh, while you're passing those buckets along, I did want to make mention of the women's ministry who just had a wild at heart night last night. I am so proud of the leadership team and, and my wife, who uh, is just incredible, and just all the women that, that gathered and put that event. How many women went to that? Wow. There was like over 100 women just packing out that room. And, and the guys and the men. Sorry, it was a women's night. I, I met, okay, we'll just acknowledge. Well done, guys. Just, it's just a guy's life, right? Just supporting women. No, <laughs> Guys were outstanding, but I'm so proud of, of the women's ministry. There was a killer night. The first one kicked off, huge success. My, my favorite line, and I'm going to stuff it up, but my favorite line that I heard you say was, wild at heart is not women gone wild, <laughs> but it's women loving fiercely and ferociously and wildly. And I think we need more of that in the Silicon Valley. How many people need that? Come on, you don't need to go to Texas to feel love. You can feel love in the Silicon Valley. Is that right? Awesome. Joya. So who's ready for the Word of God this morning? I'm ready. Just before we do, I did want to make mention of one more thing. And I know I'm talking a lot before we... I know you're just like, I'm going to get you like really hungry for the Word. I'm just like a bit of steak. I'm just teasing you this morning, all you wild at heart, ferocious women. So... We have, just as of today, released our brand new single, Come What May. That song that was just just ministered to us so amazingly, we've just gone live on iTunes as of today. And uh, I want to, in, in your hand, you probably got a little card that talks about how you can download that. If you're the 0.3% that have never, ever gone on iTunes, that's going to really help you. Um, but we have got an actual album coming out that's due to come out on the 15th of December, just in time for Christmas. What a coincidence. So it's going to come out just in time for, for Christmas on the 15th of December. But this is, this is to whet, whet your appetite. Let's go on to iTunes or if you, if you like Martha and use Amazon. Is that what you use? Google Play, whatever. You can go and you can download. There's many ways you can download that song. But get that song and just let it minister to you. But what I ask of our church is that you don't just download the song. It's like 99 cents. You could just... Is there a way they can gift it to people? I think you should just gift everyone you know and just get it in their life. But um, what I would love for you to do, our church, is that if you could do something, if you could get on there and actually write a review on iTunes. You can, you can say review this. Write a review. Make it epic. <laughs> don't just, don't go critical. That's not your time to... Well, if they had me on there. <laughs> That's not that... Just write a good review because what that's going to do is it's going to, when the album comes out, we're already going to have one of the tracks on there with really great star rating. And, and you know, sometimes people, I do this, you check it out. Like if no one's, no stars, I'm not even bothering. I don't want that to be a hurdle for people receiving the presence of God in their life. So if you could do that, that'd be, that'd be awesome. Can we thank our worship team? And Hannah Streets, my goodness. What a blessing. So great. So, so great. Hey, well, welcome to C3 Church. Again, I want to especially welcome, if you're here for the first time, I want to welcome you. And I, I really think you've already got your money's worth this morning. 
How many people know you've got your money's worth already in church? What a phenomenal day. And we're just going to power through this, this message this morning. And uh, you have, if, you, if you are here uh, for the first time today, you have actually caught us in the middle of a series, second week into a series that we're doing called Paradox. And in this series, we're, we're really looking at the notion and we have, I've kind of, uh, uh, my, my example or my definition of paradox is really working it out when nothing works. How many people know that that's life sometimes? We need to have some sort of guidance to work it out when everything I've done doesn't seem to work anymore. Every understanding I've got how to navigate a situation doesn't seem to work. So I think it's good that we can work it out when nothing works. And we've based this series uh, in Romans chapter 8, which I feel, and I said this the other week, but I feel like this is a spectacular or Paul's most spectacular piece of writing. Romans chapter 8 is 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 power packed it's jam packed and my prayer as your pastor is that if nothing else you will actually discover a new appreciation and love for Romans chapter 8 through the series if nothing else that you just kind of fall in love with Romans chapter 8 because this chapter holds so many amazing verses it holds so much so much power there there are things that we often quote in the kingdom of God and verses that you probably quote at times, but you don't know actually where they come from. They come from Romans 8. More often than not, they're going to come from Romans chapter 8. And this is, this is like the, in all of Romans, chapter 8 is kind of like, the, it's like the climactic point. It's like the action scene. If, this, if Romans was a movie, it would, it would firstly it would be an action movie. Okay? It's not a romance. I'm sorry, ladies. It's not a romance. Actually, I'm, gonna just, I'm not going to say names, but just recently I was out on a, on a guy's night. And I'm not going to say names. Don't, don't worry. And it just happened that on a guy's night where we're eating steak and more meat, we're just eating meat and, and just having guy conversation. One of the guys in the group is a lull in the conversation and, and he posed this question. So uh, what movies have you cried in recently? This is not a romance. Romans 8 is all about meat. And so we're going to keep going. I'm not going to name names. I'm sorry, Jackson. But, you know, we're going to keep going. And uh, we're going to read from Romans 8. I just, I just helped you out. I'm telling you. I helped you out right there. You, you will know one day I helped you out. You showed the sensitive side. And all the guys went, what? All the girls went, ah. Oh. So helped you. Let's go to the Bible. Romans chapter 8, and I'm going to read from verse 28. It says this, and, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. For those, for those God foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those He predestined, He also called. Those He called, He also justified. Those He justified, He also glorified. What? Then shall we say in response to this, if God is for us, who can be against us? I don't know if you know the power of that verse, but that's a powerful verse. That if God is for us, who can be against us? That's not saying that no one is against you, but God is pretty much saying, well, who is it? Who do, why does it matter? If I'm for you, it doesn't matter who's against you. It doesn't matter if your boss is against you. It doesn't matter if your colleagues are against you. It doesn't even matter if your mother-in-law is against you. If God is for you, 
who can be against you? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? I don't know what you came in needing this morning, but if God who is able to give his own son in a sacrifice, he is able to give you what you need today. Verse 33 says, Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who is he that condemns? Christ Jesus, who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? For it is written, For your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. Verse 37, No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. Somebody say amen. amen. I want to focus just in on a couple of these verses from this passage this morning. As we, as we again this morning pose another question that I want to answer, and this is a question I really feel that affects a lot of believers, that, that actually affects most of us. And, and this is the question that I, I endeavour to answer this morning the question is, how do I live a victorious life when in reality, I'm often defeated? How is it that I'm meant to navigate this victorious life? We're meant to live victoriously, but so often in life, we feel and are defeated. Anybody here? Am I preaching to myself? Or am I preaching to... Yeah, great. Let's pray. God, we just thank You right now for this time together. Lord, we thank You for Your presence God, we thank you for your Holy Spirit. Lord, would you speak revelation to us? God, we don't want to just hear words. Lord, we want to hear revelation, revelation from your throne room into our lives that will transform us and that will equip us and empower us to be the men and women of God you designed us to be. Lord, we pray this in your mighty name. Amen. So to kick it off, I want to to just kind of recap on last week's uh, sermon. Last week, we got a little artistic. You laughed. I cried uh, afterwards, but... But nonetheless, we got a little artistic. And so I want to kind of recap on that this morning, because this is going to be the foundation that we're going to leverage off today. And really what we're looking at last week, we looked at Romans 8, chapter 1, right, which really said that now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus, right? We know that. But we highlighted how often people will try and use Romans 8, chapter 1 in part A and part B. They like to use part A, there is no condemnation, but forget about part D, part B. Math wasn't my strong suit. So we realise that this point, that in fact, there is actually condemnation. To say there is no condemnation is taking part of Paul's sentence and stopping him midpoint and not letting him continue because there is condemnation. And it's in this life that there was condemnation. When you were outside of Christ, remember my daughter, my 10-year-old daughter just asked that simple question the other night before bed. And she said, so, so, so Dad, what when Jesus went to the cross and he defeated the devil. I'm like, yeah, he said, well, was that, a, was that a spiritual battle or was that a physical battle? These are just the lighthearted questions going through my house, all right? And I said, well, you know what? It's, it was a, it's a, battle of, a battle of power. And, and here we've got the idea that when, when Jesus won victory on the cross, he won power over death so that we were raised to a new life in him. Condemnation now no longer exists in the believer's life. So we've been... We're dead to this old life, this old life of condemnation. We were raised to a new life. And not only were we raised to a new life, but the Bible says that we were seated in heavenly places. That our new position 
is as sons. That's our new position. So no matter what happens in this life, no matter what we face, no matter what may come, and and there's no condemnation because we are sons. Our position as sons doesn't change. We are we have sonship. When you are redeemed, redemption has two aspects. Redemption has position and process. Our position is as sons. Our process is discipleship. That God is transforming us. He is sanctifying us. He is, he is taking us on a journey to be all that He has called us to be. So when we came into relationship with Jesus, from that moment on, He, he predestined this life that we're going to have. He predestined, He foreknew what He was designing us to be, ultimately to be more like Jesus, to fashion us, to equip us, to design us, to, to be more like Him. But it's in this life, no matter what may come, our position doesn't change. Remember, Jesus, He had to reveal that to Peter. He had to remind Peter that even though you denied me, my position, your position in me hasn't changed. The question isn't, do I love you? The question is, Peter, do you still love me? Because you're a son. And here's the thing. Even though we're sons and we've got this position, whilst condemnation doesn't reign anymore, accusation still reigns. And what the enemy wants to do, even in the life of a believer, he wants to bring accusation so that accusation may form into condemnation that we heap on ourselves. But the whole idea of the, the understanding in the kingdom of God and why Paul writes Romans 8.1 is he writes this so that people will come out of the dark into the light. When you're in the dark, there's a whole heap of confusion. But when you're in the light, there's a whole heap of understanding. And what Paul wants us to see is in the light and in understanding that accusation, accusation might come But there is no condemnation now for those who are in Christ Jesus. So I don't have to wear that accusation as condemnation. I can know that God is for me who is against me. And what God wants to show us in our life is that there is no separation from Him. Romans 8.1 starts with no condemnation. Romans 8 finishes with no separation. There is no separation in Jesus. His love is unconditional toward us in our life. But here's the thing, and this is so often what happens in the Christian life, that whilst there is accusation and there's, there's life that happens, so often on this journey of discipleship and this walk with God, what comes along is this, this thing called adversity. Adversity is black anyway. It's not very nice. There's this thing called Adversity. And we kind of focused on this last week as well, that if you expected, and it's preached often, that if you expected that coming into relationship with Jesus, then it's going to be smooth sailing, nothing bad is going to happen. That's a false doctrine. Because Jesus in and of Himself, He actually said, when you come into relationship with me, expect trial, expect persecution, expect that you're going to be persecuted for my name's sake. So the fact is, if, if there is a gospel being preached that says, come to Jesus and nothing's going to, nothing bad is going to happen, don't believe that. But believe it because God's giving you a power to be pulled through the trial. But what happens so often is when adversity comes, as believers, we begin to question things. Questions begin to to be raised. And if enough adversity comes and the enemy will bring and pile up adversity and situations occur, and sometimes it's not even the enemy. Sometimes it's just life. Sometimes you get a flat tire and that's just a flat tire. Sometimes it might get a flat tire because you drove through a building site and there were nails and 
that was just bad decision. Come on, we give the, we give the devil so much credit. Anyway, there's another message. But we have this thing called adversity, and often what adversity acts as is a roadblock in our life. And this can happen through all sorts of adversity. And if we face enough adversity, what ends up happening is this life that we're living as a believer ends up feeling like we're defeated when we're meant to be living victorious. How many people know of the adversity I'm talking about? There's all sorts of adversity. Romans 8 says this, that we know that in all things God works together for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Now, this verse is probably one of the verses that are taken out of context more than any others. Just like Romans 8.1, that it's applied in a part A and a part B, this verse is also applied in a part A and a part B. That They say that this is how it usually goes, and, and now that in all things God works for good. Full stop, period, that's it. But here's the thing, what this verse is usually applied to in this, in this context is it's usually applied to a fix all, like a, like a remedy verse. Like you, if you're going through something bad, then don't even worry about it. God's going to work it out. You know, hey, and it can be all sorts of adversity as if it's, it's some pain medicator to, to the pain that you're feeling. And, and it's used in a future context. Like you might not know right now why this is happening, but, but you will one day because God will cause it one day to, to work out for good. How many people have heard it in that context? And this is the problem with that. By quoting that verse in that context, it really gives me no peace and no comfort right in the middle of my pain. Sure, maybe God will work it out one day, but what about right now? What about the situation right now that I'm, that I'm facing? And I love this because Paul says this, and he starts out the verse by saying this with assertion. It says, and we know, and we know, I love that he says we know. He's emphatic about this, that we, we know. In other words, in the midst of confusion, there are, there, there are things that we can know. There are things that we can be certain of. And you've got to remember the idea, the whole context of Romans chapter 8. He's writing to the believers about an assurance of their salvation. And so there are things that we can be certain about. And he says this, we know that in all things, not in some things, but in all things, God is an inclusive God. He's like, in all things, no matter what comes, in everything, in all things. What are these all things that, that Paul's talking about? Paul's talking about that job that you're in, that, you really, that you're stuck in. Paul's talking about the pushback that you get from your teenagers. Paul's talking about that boss that drives you nuts. Paul's talking about uh, that, that, that car problem. He's talking about that bad, bad hair day. Paul's talking about everything. He's talking about the, the loss of a friendship. He's talking about the loss of a loved one. He's talking about pressure at school. He's talking about expectation from parents. Come on, he's talking about promotion and demotion. Paul is talking about the good, the bad, the happy and the sad. Paul is talking about everything. All things means all things. That in everything. And here's the thing you need to know. God is able to take all things and make all things into something that will glorify Him. Okay, four people got that. There's about a couple hundred people that need to get this. God is able to take all things. Your all things. Whatever is in your all things, God is able to take all things. There is nothing outside of those all things. That's all inclusive. Every aspect of your life. God is, that's good, bad, ugly, sad. That's everything. God is able to take all things and make 
God is able to take all things and make something out of your all things that will glorify Him. We're warming up. I can feel it. We're getting a little bit limber. Come on. Stretch before you run. This is talking about prosperity and adversity. All right. This is talking about good things and bad things. And, as, and, and I feel this as followers of Jesus, and this is, this is like a lot of commentar- uh, commentators use this, this terminology, as, as believers we need to be spiritually ambidextrous. Now, I don't know if you know what that word means, but my, my twins just recently learnt this word, ambidextrous, because my twins, they're, they're, they're like identical and they look the same and they're on this eternal journey to find significance in identity individuality. That's what they're after. And so my, actually my Zali, she could care less. You know, most of the time she's just totally happy who she is. And uh, Zara though, she's like, I am Zara. I am not Zali. And she will correct you if you get it wrong every time. And you know what she loves more than anything? She loves that even though they look exactly the same and they do everything the same, she's right-handed and her sister's left-handed. She loves that thing. I'm telling you, she's like, she's like, I'm I'm the right-handed one. And, and it's actually a little bit frustrating at times because it doesn't matter where we are at the shops and uh, wherever like we're walking hand in hand. She has to make sure she positions herself on my left side because she's like, Dad, I'm right-handed. I'm Zara. Even to the point, I'm like, you can, you can use your left hand. She goes, no, see, it doesn't work. She goes, I'm trying to hold your hand, but I can't. It's, I'm right-handed. And so I taught her what ambidextrous was. I'm like, ambidextrous means you can use your right and your left hand. It doesn't matter. No difference. They're both as powerful as the other. And when she, since she's got that, there are times she's like, see, Dad, I'm ambidextrous. <laughs> but this is what we need to get to as believers. We need to be spiritually ambidextrous. That we can take the good, that we can deal with the good. But in the good, we don't just believe God. Also, when the times are bad, we also believe God. That's the position. And here's the... Uh, Here's the problem with the prosperity message per se, is that the prosperity message says that if, if, if you're not prospering, then you're doing something wrong. But I got to tell you this, that even if you're not prospering, God is still at work in your life. That there are still things God is establishing. Sure, there might be some lack. Sure, there might be some defeat. But God is able to work through the lack, through the adversity to produce something in your life. Remember, He can take all things, good and bad, and produce something that will glorify Him. It says this, and we know that in all things God works. God is working. He is always working. I love so much that it doesn't say God will work. We add that. When we say this verse, we add the will work. God will work it all together. No, God works. He works it all together. God works it. He's working. He's already working. It doesn't matter what your situation is. God's already at work. He's been working before the adversity. He's working after the adversity. He's working in the midst of the adversity. And this is what I was talking about, where God's not a reactive God. He's not, a situation doesn't come up in your life and then all of a sudden say, oh no, let me, there's no oh no, oh no in God's vocabulary. He's, He's not reactive, he's proactive. And he's not reacting in my life. I get comfort from that. That God is not, I'm not presuming that God's designing the adversity, but he's so gracious that he's able to take that adversity for knowing that it was going to happen and able to turn it around for my benefit. And we know that in all things, God 
works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. This is important to know that we can't take the part A and the part B separately. This is referring to those that are in Jesus, redeemed and being redeemed. Remember, this is the definition of of redemption, that we are becoming who we already are in Jesus. So you you can have process without progress. You can so often have a process that you're on, but not see any progress in your life. Because sometimes that process feels like you're just treading water. I don't know if you've ever had this in your life where you feel like, okay, I'm doing all I can. I'm working everything out, but I just still seem to have lack in my life. I still seem to have opposition. I still seem to have adversity. Sure, I'm still in the process, but I'm just not seeing progress. But there is a progress to our life that God wants to establish where we go from who we are right now to who He's designed us to be. And our destination is actually revealed in this passage. It's revealed in verse 37. The the plan that God has, has got for us is revealed in verse 37. It says this, No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors. This is what God's designed us to be. He's designed us to be more than conquerors. And I, I love about when we talk about being more than a conqueror and being an overcomer, we're, we're really talking about uh, being victorious. I've, uh, I've been, actually most of my stories uh, in my life actually that I've told are actually more about defeat than victory. I don't know why, but I've seen a lot of defeat, <laughs> especially all my sports stories. For some reason, there's like a whole bunch of defeat, but somehow God is glorified through it. <laughs> And uh, actually, it's not just in sports. I can remember, but this is, this is a bit of a victory story. I can remember, in, and I said this earlier, math is not my strong suit. I'm telling the truth. When I was in school, I would actually turn up to math class. And I had a really good buddy. And we were, we were more of the social people at school, not the academics. And, and I know you don't understand that living in the Silicon Valley, but there are other, another breed of people. <laughs> we're, we're the social people, all right? And so we would turn up to math class looking for the social dynamic of math class. And my teacher didn't appreciate that. And in fact, it got to the point where we would talk so much, we would step one foot in. She'd go, get out, out. Uh-uh, just go. We'd be like, all right, cool. And so we, we left, my, my buddy and I, and we would, for the first couple of sessions, we were like, this is awesome. Let's just go and be social. But then we thought, hey, we're going to, let's show her wrong. And let's study really hard. And we worked hard. And you know what I love to this day? Even though we got kicked out of math class, we may have failed math class. But what I think is just a beautiful example of some serendipity. My buddy is now a financial advisor <laughs> and doing extremely well in the financial sector. Sector, I love that. Just eat that, teacher. I don't know why I said that. Working in the midst of defeat. Paul says something really interesting here. He says that we are more than conquerors. It's a funny way to say it, because conquerors is pretty good. To be a conqueror is, in and of itself, I think, uh, an example of victory. To, to conquer something. I don't know if I've conquered anything, but to be a conqueror is, is a great place to be in life. But Paul has called us more than conquerors. And, and the reason why I'm, I marveled at the way he said this is because this week, I kind of got a revelation on what it is to be more than conquerors. So Paul is saying that not only have we died to this old life, but we've been raised to a new life in Jesus. We've been seated in our new position as sons. But he also explains that we are more than conquerors. There's a little sword. 
I had to explain it because it's not so obvious. <laughs> Fail as an artist if you have to explain what you drew. But here's, here's the thing. I don't know if you're ready for this revelation yet, but I, I feel like the idea of being more than conquerors, because sometimes we face battles and we're defeated. Right. Is it just me? Sometimes we face battles and we're defeated. In fact, most of the times we face battles and we're defeated. I, I, I'm going to be real honest with you and say there are many battles that I face that I don't be victorious in. There are many battles that I face that I feel defeated, yet I'm meant to be more than a conqueror. And I don't feel like I'm more than a conqueror. I feel like I'm, I'm less than a conqueror. I feel like I'm defeated. And, but Paul's making this statement really emphatically that we are more than conquerors. And you see, here's, here's what I have discovered about being more than conquerors. Because what a conqueror does, you become a conqueror when you're victorious. How many people know that? That if you're a conqueror, that means you were victorious in something. That I am now a conqueror. I am Adam the conqueror. I conquered that thing. I'm a conqueror. Because I was victorious, I, I'm a conqueror. But to me, being more than a conqueror is not fighting for victory. It's fighting from victory. I'm not fighting for victory in my life. I'm fighting from a position of victory. I'm fighting from victory, not because so much I'm a conqueror, but because Jesus is the conqueror. Remember when Jesus won the victory over sin and death, this was what He conquered. He conquered the power of death that comes from sin. So Jesus conquered that. And because He conquered it, he, I am now victorious because He is victorious. So while I've been raised to a new life in Him, I come up against a battle. I come up against adversity, but I am already victorious before I even enter the battle. The battle does not determine whether I am victorious or not. I'm victorious because He's victorious. And because He's victorious, I am more than a conqueror. A, more than a conqueror fights from victory, not for victory. So now I enter a situation or I face adversity. I'm facing it as a victor. So not in the outcome of the adversity am I more than a conqueror, but right in the midst of adversity. So when we have this roadblock in our life, we need to understand that it's not the defeat or the victory that makes me who I am. My position in Jesus is what determines who I am. Jesus is not making us victorious over our struggles, but he makes us victorious in the midst of our struggles. Paul was able to praise God in the midst of the prison, in the midst of the trial. And he says this, in all these things, not over these things or beyond these things, but in these things. And I'm going to get the, the keyboard back. I have to wrap this up. I have to land this. It's going to happen right now. Jesus uses adversity not for a future work, but for a current working in us, helping us become who we already are in Jesus Christ. So if we look at this idea of, well, well I've got a destination in mind. 
but I've got adversity that I'm facing. I've got deficit in my life. I've got trial. I've got circumstance. I've got all this opposition. And if only I could be victorious over that, then I'm going to become who Jesus has designed us to be. But you've got to understand redemption is Jesus making us who we already are in him. We are already more than conquerors before we even fight the battle. That in the midst of circumstance, and this gives me so much courage, that I have everything I need in Jesus. I don't need anything else. I've got everything I need in Jesus. Because it's in the failure in the adversity is where accusation comes. The opposition is opposition, but when, I, when I'm defeated, I'm giving a platform for accusation to come into my life, and that's where condemnation is heaped on me. But when I rise up knowing that I am more than a conqueror, even though I might fail, that does not change my position as more than a conqueror because I'm already fighting from victory. We've already won. Already won. I I have found that there are there are times in, in life where it's there is defeat, but then to know what it is to have already won something changes the game. You know when you you're so far ahead that nothing you did from that point could change the outcome. Like you, whether it's a round robin tournament or whatever it is, that you've already got enough points that even if you just didn't play anymore, you, you already, it changes the whole game. It changes everything. You actually play better because you're more relaxed. You find yourself being a bit more daring, trying some new things, trying something different. And I can remember we had this, this series, this tournament that we're playing, we're growing up playing soccer, and um, we're doing all right as a team, but we just we weren't winning every game. And I remember our coach pulled us back in, and 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 we're getting a lot of a uh, lot of opposition to do in, in soccer. You've got this this uh, thing called a set piece, which is like a it's a setup, it's a rehearsed move. So that when you get a a penalty or you get some sort of a free kick, then you're going to have a set play that you do that's going to really ensure that you score a goal. It's like a, you, get to, you get to pull back, you get to set up, you get to pull the clutch, bam. And so we decided, the coach decided, we need to work on our set piece because our set piece was terrible. And we had in our, our team this guy who was, who was ambidextrous. He could kick with his right leg and he could, he could kick just as good with his, with his left foot. But he was always using his, his right leg. And so because we played these teams so often, they knew who, what players could do what, where their positions were. And, and he set up this, this set piece. And if you've ever watched soccer, you've probably seen this a number of times and where, where someone's set up as if they're going to kick it and the other guy's just kind of standing there like he's going to watch it. And our guys, we set this play up where we would set it up so that one guy would go to kick the ball, but he would run straight over it. And catching the other team off guard, this guy who was used to using his right foot, would come with his left, left foot and score a goal. And that, that set piece worked so perfectly that it put us into the lead in our competition. That we would find any time there was a set piece, we would, we would use that, that play and it would work. And what I loved about that set piece is that 
caused so much confusion to the other team, to the opposing team. And this is so indicative of life in our Christian walk that when we get an understanding that we are spiritually ambidextrous, whether it's in prosperity or in adversity, if we can have a, a play that understands, come on, I, the pressure's off me trying to get through this. I know who I am in Jesus. I know that I'm more than a conqueror in the midst of the trial, in the midst of the accusation, in the midst of the pressure. I am more than a conqueror. I fight from victory. What it causes us is to act the way we do in prosperity in the midst of adversity. We do a play that says, I'm faith-filled. I'm bold. I'm going to be courageous. I'm going to dare to believe that God is able to turn this situation around. And so we confuse the very enemy that's play is defunct because their accusation doesn't work anymore. The, the enemy is going to find himself rendered hopeless and useless. All his weapons against you are going to be null and void because that accusation doesn't stick anymore. Because I'm not defeated. In fact, the truth is I'm already victorious. And that's what I feel that God wants us to be as believers, that we know who we are. It's not about avoiding adversity. If you find you're against trouble and you're against trial and you're against circumstance, don't see that as me, I'm, I'm doing something wrong or maybe God's not working my life. That's that prosperity message. You need to get that out of your thinking because that will destroy you. But you know that in the midst of opposition, that when the tough times come, when trial comes, that does not change the way I view my God. Just as I am victorious through prosperity, I am also victorious amid adversity. And in that moment, I am going to be spiritually ambidextrous, where in reality in the past, I've often stepped back, I've drawn back, I've held back. I'm going to face my adversity knowing that God has made me victorious. I fight from victory, not trying to earn victory. I am victorious in the trial, not because of the outcome of the trial. This is what is going to empower us as believers to live the victorious life, even though defeat can reign in our lives. We are victorious because Christ has already won the victory. Yes, yeah, somebody give Jesus a hand. Come on. Thank you for listening to today's message. We trust you heard from God and that you're more encouraged, more refreshed, and more in love with Jesus than you were before. If you ever find yourself in the Bay Area, we'd love for you to come and attend a service. For more information about C3SB, please visit www.c3sb.com.